Today's episode is brought to you by Diane Kinlaw of Go Prime Mortgage and Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty. I had to go through this experience where I had to get a restraining order on my ex-husband. He had kidnapped the kids. It was a brutal experience. I went through that and the day I got the ruling for the restraining order, they woke up and I started bleeding again, but I didn't stop for another two and a half years. And in that, I started having 30 grand seizures a day. I had two Isles palsy strokes that was paralyzed the right side of my body. Went into an adrenal failure. Usually seizures, you go unconscious. But I had a grandma seizure in bed with my daughter. She was seven at the time. I'm shaking and I'm still conscious. Next thing I know, I'm on the ceiling. I'm looking down and I'm seeing my body, my daughter's body, and I can see the moon's shining in on us because it was at night and I'm still seizing, but it's, it's at the end. And I'm totally purple and I just knew that I was dying or mm-hmm. had died because I was looking at it. Right. But what was amazing was that I was filled with this overwhelming sense of love. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff. I am Jenny Mitchley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is the show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. I love Fridays. Me too. And today we have drum roll, please. I can't do it. You give it. <laughs> That's a, a Wookiee. <laughs> it just felt like a Wookiee. Alicia Journey, and I feel like I'm totally like introducing like a music star where I'm like Alicia Journey. Right. It's all about the introduction. It is. It is all about the introduction. We want you to feel uplifted and amazing and like the badass woman that you are when you walk into the studio. Heck do you yeah. feel that way? Putting you on the spot. So far. So far, so good. <laughs> what is your answer to that question? Ask me in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yes, Alicia, thank you so much for being here today. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So I am a mama to two littler people, 13 and 8. Let's see, I'm an attorney. I am also one of my, so one of the things that I, my passion is I talk to attorneys about burnout and resiliency, primarily women on transforming the way they treat themselves, their clients and the law. And that's a a lot based on my own experience. So really, I consider myself an advocate, um, really passionate about social justice and uh, yeah, just here to make the world a better place. Nice. Yeah. So when we first met, we're just hanging out. We don't do our resume, right, when we meet. But then I heard you tell somebody, like, Supreme Court or something. Like, what was that that you said? And I looked over, and I was like, oh, she's, like, a big deal. And I was like, I got to watch what I say now. (laughs) (laughs) What was it again? I'm a a licensed U.S. Supreme Court attorney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's like a special certificate. Like, not just any attorney can go to the Supreme Court, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to go 
do certain things and be nominated by certain people and yeah mm-hmm. kind of a big deal my, well, it's uh, kind of a big deal right office, i was my, like <laughs> ready y'all my office smells of mahogany That's shit right <laughs> i love it my office smells of mahogany yes <laughs> oh i love it is there like gilded fixtures on the walls that are like dripping diamonds too yeah and like every time you walk in like little uh, cherub, cherubs are and angels like okay. <laughs> And like they spritz, didn't Diane tell us about that? That like the fancy schmancy hotels, like when they have like automated, um, where it spritz out on it you, spritz when you out walk scents yeah. when you walk through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's so funny. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. We're next time. We're only recording in Alicia's office from now on. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. So Alicia, I love your story about what brought you to North Carolina. Do you mind sharing that with our audience, please? Yeah. So I think what I'll, I'll start with is really, so kind of my burnout story Yep. and doing, you know, I, I, I grew up on a farm. I was a farm girl. There's nobody had gone to college in my entire family. And I, at the age of six knew that, you know, I did my first public speaking and uh, at a town public town hall event, they wanted to build a road going through our tiny little town to defer traffic from the freeway and so I went with my dad and I just got inspired to get up and and talk and of course it wasn't because me but the measure didn't the measure didn't pass and so they didn't build the road and I remember feeling like power yes (laughs) I did that my voice has power I have my magic wand (laughs) I love it my voice has power to prevent construction Yes, yes exactly so all of a sudden my dream became I want to be president of the United States at six. So then from then on, I kind of just started figuring out how to do that. So I went off and I went to college and then I ended up going and working on Capitol Hill and, and doing all the things that you do to achieve in a man's world, really. Mm-hmm. And it's just keep going, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, really push those emotions down. Don't listen to your tired, your signs of anxiety or stress or you know the other right. things that are you know you're well and inside the butt way you're not allowed to talk about those things no absolutely not <laughs> no i mean seriously right like and yeah. i can say that as a native right like you're not like it's a very different vibe yeah right like you're not allowed to talk no. about like you're not allowed to talk about the stress of work you go to a bar and you drink or you go yeah. for a run around the mall or you know through the tidal basin or you go work out at four o'clock in the morning and you don't tell anybody right like you just do. Yeah. So mental health definitely was never a thing. And it wasn't a thing growing up on a farm and with family that just wasn't a thing. So I go straight into that to working on Capitol Hill and dealing with also a lot of poor treatment by some members and mm-hmm. male members of mm-hmm. and not knowing how to do, deal with that. Right. And then went directly from that to starting law school eight and a half months pregnant while I was working on Capitol Hill. So just keep keep kept going and kept going and kept going. Then I went and became a, a prosecutor and that that is some intense work doing domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, all the really light stuff. Right. And um, that's not gonna make you burn out. Or <laughs> like only see the darkness in the world. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And no well, coping and lead to burnout. That was my totally. Point. Yeah, totally. and no coping mecha- mechanism really to speak of to handle all of those mm-hmm. e- you know, emotions that you're going through. So, and then all the while I was dealing with a a personal situation that we can we can definitely get into. But I was I was I was handling domestic violence cases, and when it gets to criminal cases, that's you're only dealing with the physical. 
And what I was dealing with at home was emotional um, and psychological intimate partner abuse. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that I was allowed to categorize it as that. Right. So until afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was really wearing on me. So, so I want to, sorry, I just want to pause for a second. So were you looking at like your job, right? And when we go to our job and, and things are bad that we see, right? Like as social workers, we had to see bad things Yeah. that did you fall into that trap of like, well, my situation isn't as bad because theirs is worse. The people that I'm working with. And so it was harder for you to recognize or were you just completely unaware? I'm sure there was a degree of that. I 100% did not know that there was even a thing um, such as psychological and emotional it's so abuse. Sneaky. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's subversive. No. Well, and it's the so like you don't and, realize it's happening until it's mm-hmm. way late because it's so premeditated and strategic and manipulative. And it's like it's like it's a slow insidious. death. It's, it's like yeah. a slow insidious. death. Yeah. Yeah. But I also didn't even know that I had permission to call it abuse mm-hmm. until afterwards. And that's actually what spawned me to start my nonprofit called Beyond the Bruises. So Beyond the Bruises, Beneath Mm -hmm. the Surface, Behind the Eyes, where the trauma lies, we don't talk about the impact of psychological and emotional abuse Mm -hmm. and giving people permission to go, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. abuse. And and for me, I was prosecuting cases where people had broken orbital sockets. I mean, I'm not going to get too graphic because they're horrible and might be triggering to some people. But And the bones heal. Right. But what doesn't heal is that deep, that deep seated emotional um, wounds of, you know, how could somebody I love do this to me or how could somebody I love, you know, neglect me or say those things to right. me. I mean, that and there's also the different. shaming part of that, too. The self-shaming mm-hmm. of how do I how did I let someone I dealt with that a lot do that mm-hmm. to me? Like I'm supposed to be this like you have well, this totally. dichotomy of yes. like the, the two face right in Batman that there's like the one side that's. You know, this professional, strong, badass, like, I'm this attorney. I'm fucking licensed by the Supreme Court. I'm on Capitol Hill for crazy. I'm on Capitol, right? And then there's the other me that's like... I'm a human being. Right. And and feeling, yeah, when I went home, I felt shame for existing. This is essentially what that Mm -hmm. life I lived for years. So I was dealing with that. And then I finally really, I was, I was pregnant with my son when I decided, decided finally, because what happened was I had put, I was in an attempt murder case, three strikes prison, attempt murder case, and I had the expert witness on the stand. He was talking about the cycle of abuse, mm-hmm. and we know that. It's like mm-hmm. the honeymoon phase, and then it builds up, and then you know, the abuse hap- the physical mm-hmm. abuse happens, and then you know, it goes back to the honeymoon. It's like that cycle. Yep. Yep. Then the expert started talking about the same cycle that happens in psychological and emotional abuse, and I was like, I had like a massive V8 moment mm-hmm. in the middle of the trial with my expert V8. on oh, the stand. Right. No, I mean, it's funny. That's like, <laughs> like, it just brought, yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, oh snap, that shit's happening to me at home. Right. And I was like, oh, I just, how kinda, did you get through it? Like when you, did, were you aware that you were experiencing it in the moment or did that like hit you later? No, it was in real time. Things slowed down. I had to keep going, right? obviously, because I had a job to do, but that was the beginning of processing. I was three months pregnant with my son at the time, um, still having morning sickness. Mm-hmm. I tried to get him out of the house twice during my son's pregnancy. 
mean, the, the st- statistics are seven to nine times before people leave. Yep. And I, even with all of my resources, it still took me, you know, three or four times. So yeah, I kind of had that V8 moment. And then I ended up leaving when my son, after my son was born and it was a process and I had to actually kind of come up with an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, because then there's the financial piece too, and I think that's something that is very, very not talked about <laughs> is the financial abuse piece. That when things are intertwined, and that you have your finances intertwined, because that's something that is also insidious, right? Like you hear that. Well, there's power separate. and control there. There's that's power the whole and control, purpose right? of it. Mm-hmm. So there's the emotional and psychological and and verbal and all of the things that tie into that emotional abuse as well as financial abuse. Now, like, was that something that was a challenge because you you had to separate both from the marriage or were your finances separate or like, I mean, you don't have to talk about this. No, um, for me, it was a little different because I was supporting us entirely. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more, I, I felt bad because I knew if I wasn't supporting him, he definitely had no options. So I would be potentially putting him on the street, like the father of my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But and that's heavy. Like that's a lot. A lot of like you're already sure. having to deal with the abuse factor of it and like doing what's best for you and your kids and then feeling like you're not doing what's best for you and your kid. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a tough one. But and then also, unfortunately, he had struggles with addiction. And I think the the financial abuse came in him utilizing household funds for that right and that was exhausting mm-hmm. that was exhausting and then part of the abuse was when I tried to handle that it was you know turned back on me and things like that so right. but so I have studied this and handled this and financial abuse is definitely a well, massive part of it and I think what happens it takes so long to unravel truth versus lie and so I think the part of the healing process and why the healing process from emotional abuse and psychological abuse is so long is because there's this unraveling. Like it takes, so, like they're planting the lies yeah. very slowly and they're interweaving and knotting all the lies up with the truth. And so then when you, yes, you're free and people think, yay, you're free. Yay. Like fixed. No, no, oh, no. Oh my goodness sakes. You have years mm-hmm. unraveling what is truth and that was planted in there and or lies that were planted in there and what's actually your truth. Absolutely. And I think it's, I think the hardest thing for me, and I can't speak for all survivors, I don't really like that word victims, but survivors of something like this, is it's hard, it has been hard, and I've I've come a long way, but when people say, oh my gosh, you are a badass, you're so Mm -hmm. amazing, you have this picture of who I am, and then I still have that seed in me that was planted of unworthiness right Mm -hmm. and you're a piece of shit and no one would ever want you and Mm -hmm. you know why are you even here Mm -hmm. and so it's it's hard to reconcile that and it takes so it takes a lot of inner work and I know you know you and I Sarah have talked about this before and Mm -hmm. it's definitely part of my journey still a healing journey and I'm proud of the work I've done Mm -hmm. like I'm really proud of it and I also know there's so much more to go. Right. And I'm up for it. Right. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Can you share with the listeners what are some of those things, right? Because making the decision and finding the, 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 
the strength and the resources to leave. That's just step one. Step one. So then for you, what were like, what was that? What are the ways that you got back to you? Yeah, it's actually, it's funny you say that because in my Pinterest board, it's, I literally have a board called the journey back to me mm-hmm. and that's been massive. And you know, everything starts with, you have to look at your childhood. You just have to. And I had to have had to do massive deep dives into that. And I've come to terms with my parents did the absolute best they could with the tools they had because they only got the tools yep. from their parents. And, mm-hmm. and I've actually come to terms with that with my ex-husband as well. I mean, as, and it took a while, believe mm-hmm. me, but he absolutely did the best he could. It wasn't great. It was shit. Yeah. And it sucked, but it was the best he had. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is, I bring that up because in order for us to heal ourselves, we have to look at what other people's impact was on our lives and, and be okay with, Hey, some of that shit that happened to us really sucked. Mm-hmm. Like there was stuff that happened in my childhood that it wasn't great. Right. And I've had to examine it and, and look at it. But also for me, it's really tough for me to do that because I, I need everybody to be okay. <laughs> you know, I really, and it's hard for me to sit there and blame. So I had to do that. I got really angry. Yep. Really super angry. And then, then towards the path of forgiveness. So yep. I think that deep dive in the, in, in your childhood and figuring out where do those, where do those seeds get planted initially to where you then allow yourself to feel so unworthy right. that you you have somebody in your life as an intimate partner that treats you like that, right? Right. And then it reflects itself in relationships with friends and employers and money. And it's that relationship with everything, right? It's also insidious. Because yeah. it's it's self-abuse at the end of the day. Oh my gosh. It's that's such a huge key. Sorry. I got no, really excited okay. about she that. Got excited. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you know, anyway. But it, it is. It's a it's that cycle of self-abuse, right? That yeah. you're that 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 limiting beliefs, the the and then you allow somebody else to do it to you. Well, and I think so I wanted to address something uh, that you said because I see this a lot too, especially even in here in podcasts where people are revealing stuff and they're like, Mom and Dad, remember I do love you and everything's great and I appreciate you. I am and guilty it, of saying those things. Right. <laughs> well, and it's what you just said. You were like, I had to unpack my childhood and you're like, things happened in my childhood that sucked and it's hard for me to blame. And I think that that's the mindset shift, like, because it's not blame, right? It's like mm-hmm. that we're all human beings recogni- doing the best that we can. It doesn't have to be blame. Right. I think it, they're right. That's, it's so- just more of like, this is my truth of that experience. And I acknowledge mom and dad that y'all were doing the best that you could. And I honor that. And I appreciate our relationship. Like, it's not... It's the embracing the and, not the one or the other. Like I have to hate you because you made this mistake or I have to blame you because it's I can love you and I can acknowledge that this was my truth of that experience. Right. Absolutely. I think that that's been a massive part of of the journey, the and piece. Mm -hmm. Even for myself, like I can be kind of a shithead and I'm also amazing, right? right? Yeah. We all are. We all are and. Yes, we all are and. We should all... Yeah, oh, she's, she's thinking of a new uh, steel metal sign, Joe. She's thinking. <laughs> no, I was thinking of a new tattoo. Sorry, mom. Um, I'm excited about this one. We're going to get matching ones. I'm going to take you to get a new tattoo. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's funny that the piece that you said, because I've been doing 
healing the inner child work, mm-hmm. right? And believe me, I never thought I'd be as woo as I am and out of the box, but I'm, I love it. But healing the inner child has been a massive part of this too. And really, you know, kind of connecting with, okay, what part of me did, got that wound and then mm-hmm. working on healing it and seeing yep. that how, if you lead with that wound, you're, the, every time you bump into someone with that wound, it, the, the scab, the little bit of scab that was, had been, you know, right. built up, gets scratched off and then well it's like a it's well the, it's gonna the, keep repeating itself until yeah. you heal it it's like a and surgical so the universe is gonna put dehiscence right like so when you're if you have surgery and your wound opens up it's called dehiscence so every time that you right because part of this is like a surgery right like you're actually going in and and rearranging things and fixing things right so you've cut yourself open and now things are getting moved yeah. around or removing and you're or removing cancerous you know, yeah. whatever and then you're stitching yourself back up and every time that you have that experience you're actually like dehissing that wound almost yeah so yeah and Sorry. i'm a big just- believer <laughs> no that's a great example that's a great example and i i love that analogy and i'm a big believer of the the that the universe god you know whoever power, you, power. power power is going to put those situations in your life as like, okay, here's your, here's your opportunity to heal. And maybe you don't re- like, mm. and you miss it. Mm, and so right. they're like, okay, so a little you stitch pops open. Exactly. You weren't ready then. So now we're going to put this one and it'll keep coming until it's totally healed. Until all there is a scar tissue that you can then put some like coconut nice oil brain. on and yeah. heal it. And right. Yeah. Totally. I totally believe that. She's loving this analogy. She, I love man. it too though. <laughs> She's, I'm like we can totally go places like, with oh that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like twenty um, years it's in very healthcare. Tangible. We'll get you. I'm like, ooh, let's talk wounds. <laughs> I was like, let's get a dummy and cut it open. Right. Our next it is gig. no, but it is right <laughs> because it is. It's something that is tangible that you can. That's why I love. I mean, yes. I I do love you know health analogies because there is something practical that you can apply and say like the way that you cope with this right the way that you would heal a wound is to treat it with care. Yeah. The way that you would heal yourself is to give yourself grace. So treat yourself with care. And treat yourself with care. You can use that. I like it. I like (laughs) it a lot. And then I'm here for the one-liners only. Yes. (laughs) Go back to sleep. You're good. That's Insta-worthy right there. Our title sponsors for this show are Diane Kinlaw and Jamie Tulak. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or wish to refinance, why not seek the counsel of a friend who happens to know the triangle housing market better than the back of her hand? As your local lender, Diane Kinlaw knows how important this area is to you because it's her home too. That's why she's made it a goal not to just be the best loan officer around, but a community leader supporting small businesses with referrals and networking events and supporting local charities with frequent fundraisers. If you're looking to move to Holly Springs or the surrounding area, or maybe interested in a refinance to lower your term or rate, Diane offers a wide array of programs to fit your family's needs. Let her be a part of your path home. A home doesn't have to be a dream. Let Diane make it a reality. You can contact us at www.goprime.com and search for Diane or call 919-624-9541. Go Prime Mortgage Incorporated, company NMLS number 69551. Diane Kinlaw, NMLS number 1600777. Go Prime is an equal housing opportunity lender. Today's show sponsor, Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty, has a passion for serving clients and nearly a decade of industry experience as a top producing realtor and designer. Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty will help you reach your real estate goals. Whether you're buying, selling, investing, or renting in today's market, having an experienced real estate expert working for you is crucial. And don't forget to ask her about her hometown heroes credit for military, police, firefighters, teachers, and medical providers. 
Contact Jamie Tulak today at 559-707-1913. That's 559-707-1913. MRP certified. When I moved here and, you know, we didn't get no, totally how do we even, like, how do we, <laughs> I know, the it's whole such, story. I love this story. I know. I was like, trusting wait, your intuition lost, yeah. and like, yeah. Yeah. So, but I, just to wrap that little last piece up, I was doing, had, had gone to Asheville after I'd moved here after we'll get into the journey, what, what got me here. But I was sitting in Asheville at this little Airbnb had written, re- rented, thank you. And I was, I was like, okay, so I've kind of gotten rid of everyone, quote unquote, that was the abusers in my life. The toxic. Would, the toxic people in my life. So right. I'm like, why do I still feel like I'm in an abusive relationship? And then I just started journaling and I was like, oh shit, I'm the abuser. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, ultimately. And so I just gave, but then I realized that it's not an intentional. I realized that it was that, that little girl who had been abused, who then became the protector so that I wouldn't become abused. And so she turned her, her defense mechanism was to keep me in line. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So and that I wouldn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd be perfect all the time. And so in that need to protect and be, keep me contained in perfection, it became abuse. Mm-hmm. It was, you're right. not enough. You're not a good right. enough. Keep going. You're yep. not perfect keep, as keep perfection was what, but that's not true. And so then it blew up in your face. And yeah. Backfired. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not like saying that all of a sudden I was healed and like, hallelujah, mm-hmm. praise you, Jesus. But it, it was like an aha moment that yeah. has really. You made that decision yeah. right then and there that that's not I true. need to know your tattoo. Okay, cool. So I have another <laughs> one over here. And this one's, yeah, no. This <laughs> well, is I, I keep looking at this and I'm like, something's not finished. Yeah. So <laughs> I have, on my left um, wrist, I have, I am love. And on my right wrist, I am enough. And it's written in my um, handwriting. And this comes from a near-death experience I had. So I have epilepsy. And part of my my burnout journey is I ended up with uterine cancer from my burnout. And my epilepsy is um, hormonal. So that's really interlaced. Mm-hmm. So I was having 30 seizures a day, grand mal seizures. Wow. The stress and the cortisol well, that you were releasing. Cortisol. That was then, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then and um, stress causes cortisol for those of us listening that aren't. Well, in the yeah. And that's field. what, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Cortisol is the hormone released when you experience a high level of stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I, for me, what, what had happened was I had gone through the stress of leaving my ex-husband, opened up my own law firm, was back in a situation with my family. Were you still was, in D.C.? No, I was, now I'm back in Santa Barbara. Now you're in Santa Barbara, okay. And I hadn't, I had had my son, I hadn't, I hadn't had my, my period for three years. Mm-hmm. But then I had to go through this experience where I had to get a restraining order on my ex-husband. And he had kidnapped the kids and it was a brutal experience. And mm-hmm. so I went through that and the day I got the ruling, well, I got the ruling for the restraining order and the day afterwards I woke up and I started bleeding again, but I didn't stop for another two and a half years. And in that I started having 30 grand seizures a day. I had two um, Bell's palsy strokes. I was paralyzed the right side of my body, mm. went into adre- adrenal failure. And, um, in the midst of that, I had a grand mal seizure. Usually seizures, you go unconscious. Mm. Um, but I had a grand mal seizure in bed with my daughter. She was seven at the time. And the 
So I'm sitting there having my seizure and usually I, I just go unconscious, but all of a sudden I'm shaking and I'm still conscious and I'm going, what's happening? Next thing I know, I'm on the ceiling and I'm looking down and I'm seeing my body and my daughter's body and I can see the moon's shining in on us because it was at night and I'm still seizing, but it's, it's at the end. <clears throat> and I'm totally purple, and I, you know, my face is not breathing, and, and I'm not ble- breathing, and I just knew that I, it, you know, was dying or mm-hmm. had died, because I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. Right. But what was amazing was that I was filled with this overwhelming sense of love, mm-hmm. the same love I had for my daughter. I looked mm-hmm. down at Maddie. And you know that love when your kids are sleeping. Yeah. And it's obviously the best time because right. they can't do anything. Right. right. And they're just and they look just like, oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I'm so glad I birthed you. Oh my yes. gosh, you're perfect. And every thought I had about you today is wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So it was that type of motherly love, not the one right. that get right. your shoes on, get your shoes on, get your right. shoes on. Yeah. It wasn't that one. So it was the one where you're just like filled with just joy just and unconditional yeah. love. And I had, I looked at Maddie's body. And I looked at my body. I looked at her from an objective point of view. And I was filled with the exact same love. Mm-hmm. Like an overwhelming sense of of, of love for, for her. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud of her and what she'd been through and what she's gone through. And so I was just filled with love for her. And to finish up that, that, that story, I, for me, there's so many people have different experiences in this. But for me... I held the the hand of, for me, it felt like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then we were walking through this amazing forest in in the night, and it felt like there was twinkling lights with oak trees. And I had this, he said to me, are you ready to go home? And I was, like, absolutely so excited for it. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah. But then I had this instant knowing that if in going home, I'd be leaving Maddie. Mm -hmm. And I had it a life review of Madison's life of what it would, her life would be like if she, if I wasn't there. Right. Knowing waking up in bed with me there, not alive anymore. I would, I'm her world, Mm -hmm. what she would go through. And it was a lot of pain and it was hard to watch. So then I just, I knew I couldn't leave her. So Mm -hmm. I just started tugging on this figure's arm or or sleeve saying, you've got to get me back in there. You got to get me back in there. The next, and then the next thing I know is <clears throat> waking. I had, I was back in my body, and I went <gasps> and took my first mm-hmm. breath again. So that's where this comes from. Just mm-hmm. to remind myself when I'm kind of giving myself a hard time that just remember you are love. Mm-hmm. And so to give me myself that objective aerial perspective. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. And so mm-hmm. sometimes you can observe yourself from so close, like you're up at your the nose. Right. And nobody looks good when they're magnified 50%. No. no. You see all the no. pores and all the, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then, and, and this one is just kind of, for me, it's, it, it goes, it's one they go the together. Same. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm enough and I am love. I mean, just cause the, the, you don't have to be spectacular. It's just, I'm enough. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to be anything. I don't have to do, I'm a human being. I don't yep. have to do anything yep. to deserve it. Mm-hmm. I'm worthy as is, yep. you know? So that's, that's so that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. So then was that after that seizure, was that when you found out about so, the uterine cancer? And then Well, yeah. So it was really cool. As soon as I came back into my body and the initial shock was like, oh, shit, I'm back here. 
And then I just had this knowing that my seizures were related to my hormones. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I know I have cancer. I just had this knowing. Mm-hmm. It took a year of going to doctors and doing, I am a neuropsych major and I had my law degree. So I just put that million dollar of education right. work to <laughs> use. Yes. And I just did a ton of research, but it took four doctors and the final doctor, you know, I said, look, I, I don't know. I hope you believe me, but I know that I know these, and mm-hmm. it's called catamenial epilepsy. It's actually, it's Latin for once a month. It's when your progesterone spikes in your your Progesterone drops and your estrogen spikes. Mm -hmm. And I go, I don't know if you're going to, you know, think I'm crazy. And at this point, I don't really care. But I've been bleeding for (laughs) two years. And 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 he goes, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Is finally the first doctor who was like proactively doing something. He he said, well, we're going to go and biopsy. And if not, then we'll do a, we'll cauterize so that you stop bleeding at least. So when I came back after the biopsy, he said, sit down. I have bad news. And so when I sat down with him. And he says, you have cancer, uterine cancer. And I just started um, crying, but smiling. Right. And, like, I'm like, giggling. I told you. And he's like, <laughs> fuckers, I, I should have been, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting paid for this a year ago. <laughs> yes. So he's like, what, um, what's the matter with, are you okay? Like he thought I'd literally lost my mind. And I just go, no, this is amazing. There's answers. And I committed in that moment that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to betray my body again. Right. You know, I was going to listen to it. And when it's telling me things, it, it it's serious. And that's part of the message that I spread with this burnout for people is our, our bodies is our, our, our biggest indicator. Yes. And things aren't in alignment. Mm-hmm. And biggest alarm working. system. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So that was part of it. So that went through the, the cancer and the, the hysterectomy and just healing from that. But then... I started to build my practice back up again, and I decided to move from house in Santa Barbara to Montecito, which is like 10 miles away, but I wanted to get the kids back into the school district that they originally had been in, and that was August we moved, and then in January, well, December, all of a sudden, a bunch of wildfires start breaking out in Santa Barbara, Mm -hmm. so we left for almost a month, and we came back in January, got cleared to come back. They said, well, it's supposed to rain. So so I'm back at home with the kids. We'd been, just been evacuated for a month. And everything we own, all our valuables, had, was in our car. My mm-hmm. was in my car. Because it was still packed up from the evacuation. And potentially they said, hey, it's going to be raining. You guys might want to think about leaving. And it, but it wasn't mandatory. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it's going to rain. Are you kidding me? What does that even mean? Okay. Right. But now California rainy season means something very different. So we... St- I decided to stay, which is what most people did. Mm-hmm. And three o'clock in the morning, it sounded like that on January 9th, three, um, 2018, night 17, sorry. It sounded like a 20 car pileup outside of my house. So I jumped up and I ran to the front door and I had my hand on the doorknob and I heard a loud man's voice say to me, stop, don't open that door. And I froze and I looked around and there's obviously no man in my house because it's just me and the kids and a nanny. And what I thought was just pitch black outside was debris flow from a mud sl- from the mudslide, complete wall of debris flow. So the sound of the pileup that I heard was my car being a bunch of our cars being swept out into the ocean with all of our valuables in it. So 
Yeah, 23 people died that night. Mm-hmm. And if you neighbors, would have opened the door. I would have opened the door. I would have been one of them, mm-hmm. for sure. So we were searching rescued out. And uh, you were yeah. like, peace out, Callie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am done with California. Yeah. So, but like, all right. So we. So have, it's just another example of trusting your intuition. Right. And because whether that's an inner voice, whether that was an angelic voice, the, the, the divine, whatever. Yeah. But it's listening to those voices and those yeah. messages and trusting them. Right. So what, so how did you end up choosing North Carolina? Because yeah. like you have people not in California, right. That you would know that you like and trust like. Yeah. In other places. So what, what brought you to Raleigh? So over that next year after that, I just really stopped and listened. The more research I did, I was like, okay, this is an amazing area. But then really it was ultimately, what do I feel would be the best for the kids and I? And it was, it just all, all for me, whenever I thought of coming out here after my, the research, everything inside me lit up. And, and so I trusted that and I came about the sign, tell them about the sign. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I, I said, if I'm gonna, if I should stay here, show me doves. And if I should, because I thought about moving back to DC, because I had actually gotten to a PhD program, I was supposed to start and, and I was like, should I move back to DC? It's like, show me the capital. And then I'm like, if I'm supposed to go to Raleigh, and I said, I don't know, I picked a bull. And I don't even, I don't even know why I picked a bull. So I started seeing bulls. Like rodeo bull, like yeah, like the horns, cattle. (laughs) Yeah, so I kept seeing bulls, and then also I just got really excited every time I thought about it. So we moved out here, and literally the first thing I did was take the kids to the Durham baseball game, and I didn't even put it together. And then we're sitting there, literally the the seats we picked. You look up, and it's right underneath the big bull sign. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. But I didn't put it together until then. Yeah. So for me, it's it's massively about intuition and not in like a, it doesn't, it's it's not in a frivolous way. It's in like, that is our inner guidance. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've got to listen to it. It's just annoying. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make anybody, everybody has it. Yep. You don't have to be so special. I think you just have to, you have to allow it to unfold and give yourself the time and the, the, space to to develop it's like a relationship yep you know and you have to be able to be open enough to tap into it well when I'm teaching people about self-trust one of the questions I always get asked is how do I know if it's intuition or if it's fear yeah and so what the best way I know how to explain it is intuition doesn't have a feeling. It's just like a truth, right? Mm-hmm. It's this knowing. It's like, this is what I know to be true. And there's this calmness to it. Whereas anything, if it's not intuition, it's got all these emotions wrapped up in it, whether it's fear, whether it's second guessing, self-doubt, like all anxiety, you know, things like that. And so I'm like, when you hear it, do you hear it as truth or do you hear it attached with all these emotions? And that's how you know the difference. Yeah. And I also think like there was this period of time where I was in massive amount of fear and a lot of it had to do with the medication they put me on. It was exhausting, like hormone medicine and everything. It was hard to decipher, but the, I, I see things in pictures. Some people's brains just work like numbers or yep. I, I see things in, in pictures. And so on. Welcome was, to my world, people. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Like I not only have the inner monologue, but I also have the revolving movie screen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes fun. Sometimes right. not. Right. <laughs> but 
what I found was when I was in massive amount of fear and I couldn't tell that my brain would do this cool thing and it was very helpful. But when I was in fear, the right side of my brain would be saying the fear-based thing. And it was always in, it was black on a black screen with white, like scratchy words. It was like, this is never, you're never going to make it. This is always, it's, you're always going to be sick. And it would be in f- like really hyper speed, flashy mm-hmm. words, black and white. And then on my left side of the brain, it was like a an ocean kind of wave. And it was like, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. This too shall pass. And I knew to trust that because mm-hmm. it was just the knowing. It's like yep. you had your own echo device, your right. Amazon. Alexa, play me relaxing music. <laughs> yeah, to counteract it. <laughs> to counteract like yeah. the fear, right? Like, but that's, I mean, that was but your brain. That's that your feels, coping, right? Like that's yeah. a natural coping for you, a survival skill. Totally. Well, but it also feels like what intuition Yes, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. 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 One is this like calm, like, hey, this too shall pass. The other one mm-hmm. was like, get out. Right. <laughs> well, when people that's what they'll say to me they'll be like yeah but my intuition is supposed to protect me from danger and so if it's saying don't walk down that dark alley because you should be afraid and I was like okay but you've just created this whole story that if you walk down the dark alley then you're going to be murdered yeah but like is your intuition telling you it is truth to not walk down that alley you know yeah. what I mean yeah. and that's exactly what you're saying of like it was all these limiting Mm-hmm. conversations over here and then this just was knowing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. awesome yay so yay. then you moved to Raleigh and, and now I moved you're to here. Raleigh no and then that it was another I knew that I wanted to share my story of burnout and I wanted to make, make an impact and I didn't know exactly how that was going to look and so I followed my intuition to talk on to, to apply for the pitch for WEX and that I share my story for the first time ever mm-hmm. there and that's led to lots of doors being opened up and don't you love that how yeah. when you show up and speak your truth it yeah. opens so many oh doors. my gosh so it's many doors huge right yeah yeah, yeah I that's mean, why we again, started this like that's the entire reason we started right. this podcast like it was all because like, of I was like we we're not doing this if we're just showing up for fluff like we're like well but the, I mean but like how we got here right was because of that's what I was going with yes. this I don't know where you're going with all this, of it but like, though all of it <laughs> Like, that's the whole point of Like, our, we got of, here because we fucking opened doors, woman. Like No, but I mean, <laughs> like, the whole point of life is to show up right. and share your story and speak your right. truth. Yeah. And the, the, the reinforcement of knowing that that's the best thing to, to do is the right. evidence of all the amazing things that flood to you when you well, do that. And it's yeah. really interesting yeah. because when you do show up, right, like, it's with ease that things come. Yeah. Because the Without whole force. tract yeah. of, like, I showed up and then talked to Joe. Mm-hmm. And then Joe was like, hey, do this. And I was like, sure, but how am I going to... Yeah, you can't get just, lost in the how. There was no how. It was the just how, like, the how, who? The, the how <laughs> and that's hard for me because I'm a time. how girl. Like, right. I was about to ask you, well, how did you nurture your relationship? You're with your intuition. Because I'm no. like, give me the blueprint. Give me the action. Yeah. Give me the how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do that right now. <laughs> so tell us about what you're doing now. So right now, I do continuing legal education for attorneys on the talk of compound trauma, vicarious vicarious trauma, compassion fatigue, resiliency, burnout. And then I take people through and then also just talk about burnout in general. What's the mm-hmm. difference between burnout and stress, how to recognize it. And I'm talking through a, an audit. Basically, it's I have the four pillars of, of wellness. And then it's really, a self audit and then where they, they go yeah. through a self audit. 
and then say, okay, we've got to establish non-negotiables for your life mm-hmm. to support your, mm-hmm. your pillars. And then for me, I know that my journey is, I'm meant to be spe- speaking, speaking. I mean, that's just, you know, we all have You're our things. You're meant to share. Right. And I know that sharing and speaking is just, it's one of my zones of genius and I love it and it lights me up. And yeah. so, Back to that. So, Zone of genius. <laughs> yes. I, just, I just finished The Big Leap. I don't know you guys. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, it's so good. But so I know that that's. But I also envision workshops and um, bringing this into law firms to have to do half day seminars with attorneys mm-hmm. and then doing retreats for attorneys. Well, granting permission to talk about this yeah. in those environments where no one's talking about. Exactly. It. And that's like that brings us full circle of the show. Like that's one of the first things you guys talked about on the show today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is. It's it's going to that place where. To, to give permission and to say, hey, you know what? I experienced this too. It is okay to feel shitty after a day when you're prosecuting dirt bags. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay when you had to defend this shithead because you had no choice and you're a public defender or your partner told you that, you know, you're an associate and you have to do this and you have no choice or you're going to have to go find a new firm, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're giving them all permission, which is a huge gift. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the feedback that I got, you know, was I felt like somebody finally saw me. And it was oh, like. That's the most powerful. That right. Like that must have just like. It felt like all up. of the. Because look, this isn't easy. And like, I feel like none of the stuff that I've really been doing. It's not like I'm like, oh, man, this is so easy. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's been t- it's been hard mm-hmm. to like get my brass ovaries and get them going and moving <laughs> mm-hmm. and like showing up and moving across country and trusting my intuition and showing up for myself every day and for my mission. It's hard and mm-hmm. sharing my story, which makes me feel super vulnerable. Yep. It's not easy. But then when you feel that, that your work makes a difference mm-hmm. and is impacting people's lives, and you, and get that like, validation. you know, you're like, okay, I can keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, then does it, huge. doesn't it shift for you that it really like, the hardness, right? The degree at which you measure that hardness of like how hard you're working or the effort that you're putting in, like I feel that shifts a little bit that it's not like I look at it and I'm like, oh, you know what? That really, I put the effort in. Yay, me. Pat myself on the back. Accomplishment. But then I'm like, okay, if I, I did that, so I know, and it really wasn't that hard. And now right, I Because that's forward. the mindset thing. Yeah. Well, I mm-hmm. think it's like, okay, so it's like childbirth or I just ran a half marathon a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Or law school or anything that you work really hard at. It's hard in the moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Damn it. It's so freaking sweet after it's done. So and worthwhile. you're like, Oh, I would do that every, I would right. do that all day, every day again right. because mm-hmm. of the reward on the other side. That's absolutely for me, what's showing up for my purpose on the planet is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that. I know what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. All right. You ready? Sister? Alrighty. Yes. We're going to hit you with lightning round. All right. So it's the first things that come to your mind. Okay. Uh, puppies. Yeah. <laughs> How do you unwind? For me, it's usually being by myself and watching something that I really nerd out on I'm at, or journaling or like I, I pull my cards and so yes. like that. I, yeah. I spend time. Woo, 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 woo. I'm so yeah. woo woo. I'm so woo woo. <laughs> but that really helps me unwind. Yeah. Or like looking at a candle. Yeah. You know, that's super. Or Epsom salt bath or something. Yeah. That's awesome. What is the best advice you have ever been told? The answers are inside of you. Don't go anywhere else. Mm. Okay. 
What is something no one knows about you? Um, I'm an amazing dancer. Yes. I'm just so good at it. I can't even help it. Can you it. teach me? I want to do ballroom dance yeah. lessons. Yeah, not that dancing. More like booty your, shaking. Like booty shaking. We can go know. booty shake oh, some night. Booty shaking. I'm Let's so do good that. at that. But we can go Let's salsa at that Cuban restaurant up by the airport. I got to learn that. I mean, okay. that oh, though, I they like lead that. you around. And so okay. you just go, woo, swing over yeah. here. Woo, swing over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I digress. Okay. <laughs> what keeps you up at night? My concern that I'm not going to fulfill my purpose here. Okay. You are enough. Just look at your wrist. I know. I know. That's why I got a tattoo. <laughs> That's why it's there. <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be? Resiliency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just keep showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're never down. Yep. Mm-hmm. For yep. sure. Because you can always rise. Always, always going to rise. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And you can always reinvent yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's never too late. Love it. Oh, awesome. So where Love can it. our listeners find you? Other than on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is what? What are you on Pinterest? Because I couldn't find you. Oh, I don't. I actually don't know what it, I am. But we'll we'll talk about it. Okay, <laughs> some help on that. We'll comment but, on that later. Yeah, when this is posted on social media. So I've got a website aliciajourney.com. I'm at the Attorney Journey for Instagram, and then Alicia Journey on Facebook. Yep. So. Can I also point out that I love that your name is Journey? Yes, I I told you at the beginning. Right? I, I know. was like Alicia Journey. <laughs> it's just so fitting. It is. So we like, can't license here? a Journey song at this point. Right? <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I don't have One enough money. One of my money. favorite songs <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You, we need to ask, like, add that to our lightning round of, like, what is your, what would be your theme song? Oh, yeah. That is a good question. Yes. If your life was yeah. a sitcom, what would be the opening song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to think of that. Though. Right. <laughs> um, and everybody book Alicia to speak. She has spoken at several events and friends have come yeah. up to me and been like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. We got so much from that. She did one yesterday on inclusion and, devi- and diversity. So hit her up if you have speaking opportunities or you want her to come and talk to your organization. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for coming in and, and trusting us and being open and vulnerable in this space. And we love having you here. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate right. it. And that is it for this episode of The Girls Who Do Stuff. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And you do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 